The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. And 29th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always, returning from the Target Center, returning from Minneapolis, Minnesota, we have my good buddy and good friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am wonderful. Another successful weekend. My 11th AEW pay-per-view, and in, in shocking, this was, was it my 11th? I guess it would only have been my 10th out of 11. That would have been my 10th, because I'm very confused now. I went to 3 and 19, 3 and 20, 4 and 21. That's 10. So, 10 pay-per-views. Out of the 11th that have been available, I am very happy. Another successful weekend. Got to spend time with my boo, JR, and my tag team partner, Tiffany. Travel partner. Got to bowl with some people. I'm going to go further into details. But got to watch two amazing wrestling shows. Man, I I mean, I couldn't ask for more. And I got to do it with some of my closest friends. Yeah, there you go, and I'm very glad you had a good time, but of course, this time it's not just us, we have another friend of ours, we have our good friend J.R. Perez from the Trick or Treaters podcast, my man, how are you doing? Well, uh, similar to Floyd, I just came back from an epic adventure as well, where I was at a 10-day vacation that started the Thursday, the first Thursday of November, Went to New York City for six days for my uh, seventh wedding anniversary. Saw UFC 268 from Madison Square Garden. Their first their first trip to New York uh, since 2019. And then, um, we then flew from New York City to Minneapolis to see Floyd and Tiffany with my wife. Um, and did a bunch of fun shit with Floyd that we'll get in more detail. Froze my ass off, met some crazy people, and uh, it was a fun, expensive 10-day vacation that uh, was worth every penny of it. I'm very glad to hear that. 
Well, we've got a lot to get into in this episode, so I'm going to get the shilling out of the way real quick before we, of course, talk about AEW Full Gear 2021 and, of course, our our friends on the show, how they had fun at the extremities that took place. Uh, for the week of full gear before we get into everything make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on google or apple podcasts if you listen to us on spotify or any other podcasting platforms give us a share with your friends family co-workers whoever you wish we really would be appreciative if you do that you can leave a rating and a review and if you're so inclined you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider red circle the easiest way for you to support us though is on social media on twitter we are at at elite pod at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all their other shows on their network. You will not be disappointed. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And our friend JR, where can people find you on social media as well as your podcast, the Trick or Treaters podcast? Well, if they go onto Twitter, if they go to at Trick or Treat Pod, that is at trick or treat pod you can find the trick or treaters podcast um with access to our link tree that has information about where you can get us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify as well as our merch page um because of the holidays and travel we only are dropping two episodes uh this month we last week um excuse me two weeks ago for the we dropped our episode about the movie screen four celebrating the 10 year anniversary this year and then next week, we plan on dropping um, our review of a ridiculous dark comedy horror film called Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving about a killer turkey uh, that was made like on a $30 budget. And um, <laughs> because of Thanksgiving, that's why we're reviewing it. So it should be a horrendously, hopefully funny uh, review of a movie that is uh, ridiculously insane. Their tagline of the film was actually... If I'm not mistaken, there is nudity in the first three seconds. I think that was like the official tagline of the movie. <laughs> it's called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, and it is literally a um, a killer a killer turkey. So, like I said, that should drop next week around Thanksgiving. So, again, at Trick or Treat Pod. All right. Well, of course, the big news of the week for this for this week in AEW was, of course, full full gear itself, but. I want to pass it off to JR and Floyd. Floyd will take the reins on this. I want to kind of get a hear of your guys' time in Minnesota because I believe, Floyd, this was your first time in Minneapolis. I know you went to Mall of America and did some other things for All Elite Wrestling's weekend in Minneapolis with Full Gear. Uh, I just want to get a little bit of your experience and how you guys had fun. Okay, so... Uh, my plan is I drove to Minneapolis from Oklahoma. It sounds like a long drive, doesn't it? Uh, J uh, doesn't it Austin? Like from Oklahoma city all the way to Minneapolis. Sounds like a long drive. Looked it up. It's only 11 hours. So when me and my wife first got together from our, uh, on my birthday, I think I was turning 36, whatever. I don't remember. And we went to South Padre Island in Texas. Texas is the next state over. Uh, the trip to South Padre Island took over 12 hours. So, in the same time that it takes, to, well, actually a little less time than it takes to get to South Padre Island and the next state over, which is Texas, you can make it all the way to Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
that's through Kansas, through Missouri, through all the way through Iowa, and then, you know, right about 100 miles into Minnesota. Or, uh, yeah, to Minnesota. It is crazy. And it's all 35 north. So I'll tell you, it's the straightest, like the most direct trip I've ever made in my life. Uh, it was supposed to take like, yeah, like 11 and a half hours. Even with picking up Tiffany, I did it in about 10. So we were stupid early to Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis. Got me some White Castles. Got checked into the hotel. That was my travel experience. JR, talk about your travel from New York. Yeah, um, traveling from New York, not South Flight, took three hours. Uh, but I, I got, uh, I'll try to tell a story very brief. We got to the airport, and one of the good things about Minneapolis is they have a really good light rail system that connects all the significant portions of Minneapolis. It connects the Target uh, field where the Minnesota Twins play, Target Center, the Timberwolves, and all the big arena events, obviously full gear. Um connects to a lot of areas like government buildings then it connects to the airport uh and then after the airport connects to the mall of america in addition to that there's a loop that also connects to the other twin city of minneapolis st paul minnesota and um a very good system when we got there um like i said not south flight took about i think actually less than three hours from new york city uh, we're going to grab the light rail system only costs $2 per person there to basically for a one-way ticket. And I was asking this lady if I'm going the right way. And she proceeds to tell me how Minneapolis, why am I in Minneapolis? Because it is the most dangerous city in the world and that I should look to carry a firearm at the very least a police collapsible baton because <laughs> I will be randomly killed in downtown Minneapolis uh, because it is the most dangerous city in the world. Okay. I so mean... It was very interesting getting up uh, when we got there and obviously um, you know, it was not anything crazy out of the ordinary, especially after being in New York City for, you know, for six days when I, you know, and in fact the area that we were staying in of uh, downtown, um, with the exception of when we were going to the AW events, I, I don't know, Floyd, if you would think differently. I actually felt it was a pretty dead area that we were in, and with the exception of when we were going to the events. I mean, yeah, nothing really happened. It was crazy because I was driving in. I was seeing all the George Floyd and uh, Black Lives Matter murals and stuff like that. And I forgot all the stuff that happened in Minneapolis. It feels like it felt like in my mind, it felt like that was so long ago, but it was like a year ago that all this was going down. And it was, it was crazy driving through it. Uh, our white castle that we went to, which of course is the, my first stop anywhere was in the hood. But the, when we got downtown, Shit, everything was connected by a sky mall. I mean, a skywalk. It was great. Uh, Minneapolis, honestly, one of my favorite cities to go to because it's like, just like every downtown area, it seems like everything closes like stupid early. So I would always say, and I'm starting to learn this when you get your hotels, it's probably better not to get your hotel downtown because, like, 
when you're in the like suburbs or out by the airport, there's Waffle House, there's IHOP, there's all these sorts of places to eat. But when you're downtown, everything is closed and you basically end up ordering from those places outside of downtown anyway. So, yeah, I've always wanted to live in Minnesota. Honestly, it's one of my places that I've actually would love living to. And to that person who was like, oh, it's the most dangerous city. Yeah, it's almost like people get upset when you kill somebody unjustly. It's weird. Yeah, it is. It was like one of those things. It was just like when he told me about that, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see myself. You know what Somebody I mean? Somebody watches too much TV. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to see myself. And I did. And oh. we got there, and at no point whereas we ever stressed, I can honestly say, I mean, like, like I said, you really never had to be outside, outside. That skywalk connects everything. So let's say you want to go to a bar. You can take it pretty much to the nearest sky mark, and you're only like a block away from it. So it, it really is like fairly safe because, you know, you're always like in a covered inside place. And there is shit tons of security, especially in the skywalk. And and there were a few times where I actually uh, braved the cold, and it's hilarious. Um, I don't know how people live in northern United States deal with that type of cold, um, which probably people think the same of me. And, and living in the West Coast, I deal with 100-plus degree summers. Um, but I braved the cold in, uh, in two incidents, you know, walking outside, and I, you know, walked across people and Never felt an issue where I thought somebody was going to come after. It was just weird. And I told that story to the front desk receptionist as, and then as well as a, a bartender from Ireland uh, who served us at an Irish pub. And they both rolled their eyes as hard as they possibly could, being like, what the hell is wrong with this lady trying to tell you guys this nonsense about our city? Yeah. Well, um, was there any other instances that you guys had before the show that was a lot of fun for you guys to have? All right. So we got there after the travel in. We went bowling Thursday night and we went bowling with AEW wrestlers. Uh, it was an AEW charity bowling bonanza live from what was the name of uh, the memory lanes? Cause, and it's even more funny. It's called memory lanes because I keep forgetting the name of it. So uh, I pick up Jr. Uh, we pick up Jr. and his lovely wife Eva, and we would go to the bowling alley. Uh, there were ten spots, uh, ten teams, and there was ten spots for fans to get on teams. We actually got three of the ten spots. So me, Jr. and Tiffany, and we went in with the plan. If me and Jr. got on the Nightmare Family with Cody, that we would give that to Tiffany. So we get in the we see the vlog crew. They record. Uh, we get our you know get our tickets and bracelets. We met Amanda Huber. Huber. She was uh, one of the people putting it together, giving out the tickets and everything. Then they selected teams. So the first team up was Team Rampage. They selected Tiffany. She was the first name picked. So then they picked like four more teams. Nobody got uh nobody got picked for any of those four teams. And uh then I think it came up with the Nightmare Family. And Nightmare Family, I think it was like five teams left. There were two people still left, me and JR. 
And as they were picking the Nightmare Family, I just had a gut feeling it was going to be me. And I started walking kind of towards it. And it was me. So I got picked up Nightmare Family. And I was like, it's all Tiffany. So Tiffany joined the Nightmare Family with Cody. I went on Team Rampage with Rebel, Austin Gunn, Colton Dunn, and the powerhouse, Will Hobbs. And that uh, that was my Team Rampage. Nightmare Family, I know, was Cody. Dustin, Lee, and I don't remember the fourth person. The captain. The captain, Sean Dean. They all wore they all wear America themed flag shirts. That was kind of cool. Uh, they had a shirt for me for Rampage, but it was the XL. And if you know me, last time I wore XL is I was like 12, 13, maybe. But yes, I was a very large child. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I can't wear that shirt. Then Rebel started giving me shit for wearing a Thunder Rosa shirt. And it was so funny because, yeah. And then Jay Cargill started giving me shit for wearing a Thunder Rosa shirt. So me and JR were on, basically, we were on lane one and two. And after each team finished the round, it actually switched our lanes. So we were interacting the whole time. So if you were on one team like us, it was like I was on Team Rampage and Team Vlog Crew because I was communicating with all the people through there. And we just had a really good time. We bowled three games. Austin Gunn was so awesome to me. He was coaching me through because I'm a terrible bowler. I just wanted to be on the teams with him. And then Rebel, she's awesome. And she gets more feisty as the more she drinks through the evening. And that was pretty funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Austin and Colton were great. Me and Colton talked about Florida State football because he went to Florida State. I am a diehard Florida State fan. Will Hobbs might be the coolest man on the planet. He just never seems, like, excited or bothered by anything. He's just chilling, you know, that kind of thing. He's just, like, whatever. He just seems like wherever, you know, uh, Fast Times Ridge Mountain High, this is an old person reference. But he's like, you got to, it's like whenever you're at, wherever you're at is the place to be. That's how you got to act. And that's kind of how Will Hobbs is. Wherever he is, is the place to be. And you could co-mingle with all the wrestlers. I'm going to let JR talk a little bit about his bowling experience with his teammates. Yeah, so for me, I was selected to be a part of the vlog crew, which was captained by Sammy Guevara. Fuego Del Sol, um, Alan Angels, Marco Stunt, as well as Griff Garrison. And um, I don't think that night could have been any more perfect because Tiffany got a chance to be part with the Nightmare family. And me and Floyd were in the exact same lane and we were hanging out. And it was, I mean, basically it was all 10 teams competing against each other, but it was like, Team Rampage was complaining against Team Block Crew. And so I was interacting with Floyd and Team Rampage as much as Floyd was interacting with, you know, the Block Crew. And I would, you know, try to intentionally mess up Floyd and Austin Gunn would yell at me. And then Austin would go up to bowl and I would be behind him singing, you know, start singing I'm an ass man, you know, his Billy Gunn's theme um, to try to mess him up. And um, it was... You know, Griff Garrison, every, you know, my team, Fuego and Sammy and Griff, Allen and Marco at multiple times were, you know, coaching me because I would 
all of a sudden do really good, like I would hit a, a hit a spare, and then the next one I would hit a gutter ball, and I would just like they consistently I would get pissed off because, and Floyd would tell you, like I was, I'm like the whole thing was for charity, but I'm a naturally competitive person, so I'm like <laughs> I want to destroy everybody as much as possible, even though I'm terrible at bowling. It is not my sport. I have horrible hand-eye coordination, and I'm left-handed, which I think somehow works against me in the, in bowling. And so um, it was so fun. Um, the other thing that was also cool, I mean, we got a chance to, like, you know, in between walk around and we, you know, meeting Jade Cargill and Tay Conti and Sonny Kiss and Nyla Rose and Aubrey Edwards and Bryce Resler, uh Mark Henry, uh, Lance Archer, uh, Ortiz, and um, Jake uh, Hager. Um, I'm I'm sure that there's more that has slipped my mind off the top of my head. Uh, Dasha, Red Velvet, Leva Bates, and so we get around. And everybody's just super cool and relaxed. We were able to take pictures of everybody and talk to them. And my wife, I literally bought the last ticket to be a part of one of the bowling teams, so I purchased a. $50 ticket for my wife to be a part of the bowling team and she met uh, you know a person was hanging out with them and she was having fun and Bryce Remsburg I didn't even know this he actually um, I look over and I hear my name calling me and my wife is bowling with like the referees which was Aubrey and Bryce I think Ricky Starks was a part of that team I think somebody and I can't remember I think someone else and Bryce had essentially like went and got my wife her and just started like taking her to meet whoever she wanted and you know she got a chance to meet Thunder Rosa uh Ruby Soho and it was just so much fun I loved it I you know for me I I'm like all about my the block crew team like just they were just so amazing to me and and hung out and um and I love Rebel like Floyd would tell you I think Rebel is one of the most amazing women on the AW roster so I felt like it couldn't have been better and um and it all kind of uh, culminated where today when Sammy's vlog dropped and I actually have like a guest role in Sammy's vlog, which I thought was pretty badass. I'm talking, I'm in the vlog, Tiffany's in the vlog, but JR has a fucking speaking role in the vlog. He says, I'm JR. You know, Sammy's talking to him. So he actually talked on the vlog. You know, that's a big F and deal right there because mm -hmm. not a lot of us get you know we're you can be on the vlog I think we've all been like on a vlog but the fact that he actually had speaking lines he was on the team he is team vlog crew and my list of people that I met because I actually had to you know the pictures I got Thunder Rosa because I was wearing a Thunder Rosa shirt uh, I was very happy about that Ruby. Big Jake, finally, Oklahoma's own Big Jake, Ricky Starks, QT, Lee, got the team photo, also got the pictures of me sweating, like, profusely, and then I got a picture with Amanda Huber, but yes, I was sweating profusely, I now know that if I go to any events that requires, uh, any event that requires physical activity, I need the biggest towel that they have available <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, I, I was leaking pretty bad. And I was like, and then, yeah, it was crazy. 
Uh, like I said, they were just so nice because I'm I'm not a, a good bowler, you know. I'm not. I wasn't a good bowler when I bowled, and then I hadn't bowled in years. So it was like the first balls I threw, I hit a spare. Then I did like five gutter balls in a row, and Austin's like, "Calm down." And then I finally found a ball that fit for me, and it was great. And I had a good time, and I finished over a hundred once. Third game, hey, I got one oh seven, and and I'm pretty sure the rest of the team tanked. So I can win in the third round. Or they were so drunk that they couldn't bowl. One of the things happened. I don't know which one <laughs> it was. But, yeah, got the group pitcher with Cody, who, I like I said, if you've ever interacted with Cody Rhodes, I don't understand how you don't like him. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just don't. He's just so personable. He's so humble. So uh, Dustin Rhodes, Mark Henry are sitting there just – like they've been there, done that. Nothing excited. They it wasn't that they weren't mean. They were just very low key, very chill. You know what I mean? So it's like yep. you come to them kind of thing. It's like uh-huh. hey, they because they've you know been there for years, and everybody else was just like you got to see them being real people, and it was crazy. Like I came away, uh, I came away. I am Gun Club for life. Powerhouse Hobbs, my dude. I'm like ready to buy all this merch. I'm definitely going to have a Rebel shirt because it was just like I met the people. They were great. Even if they were fake, (laughs) they faked it so well I felt like I was part (laughs) of the team. It was just an amazing situation. So now I'm going to root for them as people going forward. They got fans just because they were nice. I'm not saying we're best friends. they, They treated me like a human. And we just kind of chilled and coexisted. And then Fuego uh, was there. And Sammy, Sammy, pretty drunk uh, by the end of the <laughs> evening. Uh, and that was great. And and that was the easy thing because you saw, like, more of their personality come out as the evening went along. And as the liquor, like, sank into their system, you saw more and more of them come out. That's freaking awesome. That's honestly, besides full gear, of course, I'm probably more jealous of you guys being a part of that than I am you guys jealous of you guys actually being at full gear. Because one, I actually do bowl a good amount, and two, it just sounds like it was a fucking awesome time. So I'm glad it, y'all had fun, but I'm was, very jealous. It's so weird. The first night was the highlight of the weekend. I, I mean, I I appreciate and love the fact that I get to go to wrestling events. And watch these talented, talented individuals do what they do best. And I I don't think there's anything in the world right now like an AEW pay-per-view. I just think they fucking kill it. The floor shows every year. So I want to give that commend. But that bowling thing is an experience I will absolutely never forget. I might forget a match or two. And uh, I might forget a match or two at Full Gear. I might not remember what I saw at Rampage the next night. I will never forget those three hours and 15 minutes I got to bowl with the AEW roster. Yeah, I'll be completely honest. I mean, for my the way I look at it, I mean, I've done a lot of cool things in my life that I will never forget. But, I mean, at the end, it, I think for me, unless I get an opportunity to, like, be a guest manager at a wrestling show, like there is nothing that will top that experience of that bowling event. 
And I echo everything like what um, Floyd had said. I mean, it's one thing, you know, we always hear the story. People say, like, just because someone's nice to you for five seconds doesn't mean they're a great person. But, I mean, I, I single-handedly, and I, I know Floyd was right next to me, saw talent go like, hey, we need to, you know, we need to work the room. We need to go talk to people because they pay to be here. Even, even you know, the people paid, whether it was $10 that they paid to be a, a spectator or $50 to be, like, just to be there to bowl um, as, like, just part of the fans. And I saw Cody go up to talents and just say, hey, make sure you guys go over there, too. You know, Griff Garrison and I know my team, the Block Crew, Griff and Fuego and Marco and Sammy and uh, and Alan, they left, you know, multiple times when it wasn't their turn to go talk to other fans because they wanted to make sure everybody was having a good time. And, um, like, one of the things, just little things, like, you know, I was, I went up to Alex trying to take a picture and Cody was like, I'll take your picture. And I'm, it was so fucking weird because I'm like, dude, you're Cody Rhodes. Why are you taking a picture for me? <laughs> and, but it was just, you know, so I made sure and like, you know, put, you know, told Cody and, and I, the other person was Amanda and just the, the whole staff, the, just the talent as well as the staff behind the scenes, they, they put on a phenomenal event and, and, you know, um, my wife even told Amanda Huber, like, if, you know, if you guys do this and, you know, I, I come back, I'll be there and help you because I think what you guys are doing is tremendous. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. The last thing I want to ask Floyd before we actually get into the full gear event itself and go match by match. Floyd, how was Mall of America? It was a really, really large mall. No, it, it, it's really fun. I didn't. Uh, I actually got paid on Saturday and we went to Mall of America on Friday. So I didn't have money. So it was a lot of window shopping and stuff. But it was a really good experience. I, I truly, we could have, like, the next day I got paid, I could have spent the rest of the day in there. And then while we're at Mall of America, we run into who? The Young Bucks. Brandon <laughs> Cutler. Uh, Luchasaurus. The, the, you know, they're just walking around. They go into, like, a mirror maze. We get to say hi to everybody. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was just a crazy weekend. And you want to know the crazy thing is? Okay, so... Matt comes up to Tiffany because Tiffany, of course, is world famous. That's how we say hi to everybody. And then we left them alone. They were walking around the Minneapolis Mall, and I will tell you, at least 50 wrestling shirts there. Everybody knows who they are. And for the most part, I did see some pictures later. But while we were there, for the most part, everyone left them alone and let them just have it, enjoy their time at the mall. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And like everybody talks about like there's this rabid fan base and there's crazy defense squads of every different AEW, WWE, whatever. But in the end, I saw my AEW fan base let wrestlers just be. I I just thought everybody was going to run up to him. Matt was wearing his mask like people weren't going to recognize him. Everybody recognized him immediately. And they just let people, while me, JR, and Tiffany were there, people just let them be. And it was just kind of, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, you don't see that too often, I feel like. Yes. Now, were they just like, they didn't, they didn't acknowledge them, or did they just say like, hey, what's up, and then like walk by? 
you know, people knew it was them, but a lot of people just didn't go up to them. Like they knew it was them. They could see that they were just shopping and they just kind of kept, they kept, we, cause we weren't at the mall for them. We were just at the mall. Yeah. So we just continued to do what we were doing at the mall. You know what I mean? And just let them do what they were doing at the mall. But you know, the, the, the occasional nod or wave, but in general, they were left alone. There you go. I mean, that's, that's a pretty cool story, honestly. Yeah, that's what I was like. I thought that was really cool because I thought they were going to get mobbed because we're like, we're seeing wrestling fans doing the elite thing, doing the two sweet thing. Everybody's pointing at everybody because we're all wearing the shirts and the jerseys. So you knew who your AEW people were, right? And everyone knew who they were, but it wasn't like this big mob of people trying to get pictures and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just cool. And they didn't, they hadn't bought shoes yet. They, I guess they didn't nah. see what they liked, but they, I was like, I was like, how many pair have you gotten? He was like, none so far, and that was like just a very quick, normal person conversation, and then we just moved on for with the rest of our day. There you go. Well, that was Floyd and uh, Jr.'s full, well, close to full. We got to get to the actual show, but that was their time in Minnesota. Let's get into full gear now. We have. To quickly cover the buy-in, of course, we had the buy-in tag team match, which included Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter and Nate in the Native Beast Nyla Rosa. Babyface went, uh, babyfaces went up in this one, and Serena D was also watching from the front row for this match. I think this was solid. I, I, I really like the counter that um, Shida had with that jackknife pin to uh, get Nyla for the for the pin, which was actually surprising. I really thought Jamie Hayter was going to be the one who ate the pin, but wasn't the case uh this was a nice solid tag team match i feel like it was great seeing it seeing thunder rosa and she team up which is something i really enjoy um jamie hater i think is continuing to g- uh get better and better and nyla's great as well um i thought this was a nice buy-in match and i thought it was nice to have uh these people these girls all represented on the show um but yeah we'll go to jr first uh with his thoughts on the buy-in match you know, I'll say this uh, really quickly. The one thing I, I saw that match and I thought was really cool was that um, it was showcasing the international aspect of the women's division because you had Shida, who represents, who's from Japan, uh, Thunder Rosa, who's uh, who's from Mexico, uh, Mexican-American, uh, Jamie Hayter from England, and Nyla Rose representing the United States. I just thought that was really cool when I, when I looked back and I saw those four women in the ring. It showed kind of the diversity of of their women's division, um, and that that's just kind of one of the things I wanted to point. Out. I thought that was really cool. All right, Floyd. I believe you might be muted. I was muted, so there you go. I'm muted. Uh, just thought the uh, we were just talking about the show in general. Full gear. Uh, Yep, we're at the we're at the buy-in. Buy-in in general. That's what I was thinking about. Um, yeah, I thought it was kind of it was a decent match. I thought it was a little sloppy in points. Uh, when I was watching, I was just like, I don't know. Just I guess I wanted just a little bit more, but it's the buy-in, you know. It was just trying to get the energy going. So I think it did a good job of getting the crowd going. Some very interesting signs, and then we found out later some people were kind of holding their signs. 
kind of waiting for the big show to get their stuff on there. But I, I just thought it, it felt you felt the energy of the live crowd. Uh, shout out Target Center, very easy to get into. I thought it was a very good arena, and the fucking internet, the Wi-Fi, amazing. Never lost signal. Hey, there you go. I mean, that's. Well, I mean, yo. I mean, I guess most people. When you post pictures on Twitter, yeah, while the show's going on, you kind of need that. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. You don't get that everywhere. For me, when I went into the Sears Center or the Now Arena, is what it's called. I didn't have internet. I was bad. It, 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 I just. It just. It. It was non-existent. It was like occasionally somebody would get a little signal, and it's nothing wrong with it. It did make you just like be there more. But, you know, when you're on the line and you're trying to upload pictures, you know, like to our the site so or the page. So, you know, it's just it's kind of cool to be able to do that, especially during the down periods of in between matches. And then there's like the 15 minute period you're waiting for the show to start. But I thought the match was decent. Could expect more. Very happy that I got to see Thunder perform at the pre-show. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, we'll quickly now move into the actual start of the show, which opened up with Darby Allen versus MJF. And this match was heavily teased in the lead-up about how MJF had said that he can beat Darby Allen because he's so good that he can beat him with just a headlock takeover. And at the beginning of the match... We actually saw both men trying to get a pin with the headlock takeover at the start of it. Um, there was a point where uh, Darby Allen just, fl- like, I, every time he flies under the bottom rope and then just slams his back into somebody, it's, like, insane how much speed he gets on that. But, of course, the ins- probably the most insane part of the entire match was when they kept trading off uh, pack uh, small package uh, roll-ups, and then they just were tangled up into a little ball and just kept rolling around trying to get each other's shoulders onto the mat and it was the most insane thing i ever saw and it literally got a standing ovation from the crowd uh that spot alone was insane but of course mjf uh would have his boys from the pinnacle wardlow and sean spears come out to interfere before sting would chase them away with the baseball bat mjf tried to get the skateboard and tried to uh hit uh what looked like he was going to try to hit darby but he instead rolled it over to darby asking for Darby Allen to hit him with the skateboard, which would cause him to be disqualified. He does not do such a thing. Bryce Rensburg goes for the skateboard and passes it outside. And while he's distracted, Diamond Dynamite ring to the face of Darby and the headlock takeover, and he gets the pin on Darby Allen. Just heat. Such a great spot. The fact that they actually kept that as part of the story I thought was incredible. Um, a nice little nod to the match. And... Um, We'll definitely keep this feud going uh, longer because Darby trying to get uh, back at MJF, I think, would be a really great story. Um, But this was a hell of an opening, honestly. These two, MJF especially, continues to show his wrestling chops and people who think of Darby as just like a massive spot, like falling off of stairs or jumping off of giant uh, spots and just diving off into people. uh, You really got to see how good of a wrestler he was with this match. And again, it gave us probably my favorite gift moment of the show for the most part, which was uh, Darby Allen and MJF rolling around in a ball. It was just really fucking cool. Uh, JR, thoughts on the opening match between MJF and Darby? I mean, for me, 
these are two of the brightest stars that AEW has. You know, when we talk about the four pillars, the whole thing that was centered on, you know, the importance of the four pillars and, and Darby and MJF are two of them. And that crowd was, you know, as Floyd mentioned, they were hot. I mean, this, it, it was a, a, a crowd that I didn't, I didn't expect was going to be hot. And they were, because I think it was the first time being in that area. So they were rabid for good wrestling and they love to hate MJF and they uh, love, you know, Darby Allen. And I think it was done in a way where it continues to build up and, you know, build up MJF, especially after his feud with the pinnacle with inner circle. And, you know, essentially, you know, MJF lost that culminating match, but it also protected Darby because, in the sense where he got screwed out of this match, which would put him essentially 0-2 in the last two pay-per-views. And with the way it was finished, it's like, you know you want another tell in the story. And so I I don't know what the future will hold in that, but I would definitely suspect a gimmick match in the foreseeable future for Darby and MJF. Floyd, go ahead. Uh, this was my match of the night. This was my favorite match of the night. Straight up. Uh, yeah, star rating. I gave it a perfect five stars. I don't know if it was in the building. I'm halfway through the match. When they start doing the near fall thing, I stand up and just start, like, clapping. I just thought this was a well-executed, perfectly told story. MJF sold his leg well. Darby sold his back well. MJF showed that he was just trying to piss him off. The whole thing where he brings the... uh brings the skateboard in the ring and hands it to Darby and dares him to hit it. And then Darby gives the skateboard back. Then he hits him with the foreign object. And then the take headlock takeover, the thing he set up in the first promo that he made towards Darby Allen ended up being the end result. I mean, this was professional wrestling all the way. I know some people don't like the ending and it being that this, but this is the professional wrestling I grew up on. Uh, MJF was Ric Flair. MJF was Roddy Piper. MJF was every of one of the 80s great heels that I saw. The shitty heels. He was Nick Bockwinkle. He was all of them in one because he put on a perfect match. And it wasn't that, you know, yes, he's shit-eating, but he's tough to keep down. Yes, he's shit-eating, but he can put on, he knows how what he's doing. And it was just like, anybody that says MJF is all a promo and he can't go, you didn't watch <clears> it at this point in time. He's put on so many amazing matches that you're just full of shit. You're just proving that you don't watch the program. This dude is fucking amazing. He is, he is the rare combination of promo skills and uh, promo skills and mic work. He is, he has the look. He's the five tool hitter of AEW. Of the four, I, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Darby. I thought that Darby was immaculate in this. I have taken a complete 180 on Darby. You know, this dude is amazing. He shows up to every match. Every time he's put in a big situation, he knocks it out of the park. This was a second loss on a pay-per-view in a row. You wouldn't have even known it because by the end of this match, they were both winners. The sting spot with Sean Spears and Wardlow where you got a little outside interference, but they never made it to the ring. So they really didn't affect the match. 
I just thought that the story was told perfect. Uh, in the end of the year, when we're kind of doing our AEW match of the year, I guess it'll be coming in like a month or so. This is probably getting my vote. This was my favorite match in a very long time. All right. Well, damn. Well, we'll move on to the AEW World Tag Team title match between the Lucha Brothers and the current AAA World Tag Team Champions, FTR. And this was the match to see if Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood could once again rip away some titles away from the Lucha Bros. Um, This was high spot after high spot. These guys kicked the living crap out of each other. Um, It was really um, awesome just seeing how uh, the inclusion of Tully Blanchard and how well he was just every time he's involved in the match, he's always got great work. And again, the, the ring psychology and the stuff these guys do uh, for tag team wrestling where you'll go for a hot tag real quick, but wait, the referee wasn't looking because they were distracted by something else. So you got to go back into your corner. It's like only FTR are some of the few tag team and some very few select tag teams do stuff like this and care about stuff to really build to that hot tag, really build to these moments and really want you to will on uh, the partner to tag in the, the fresh partner um eventually uh these guys were just continuing to like throw stuff at each other um and ray phoenix got the absolute shit kicked out of him and kicked out almost at everything that was thrown at him um we had uh the beautiful spot though of uh dax uh trying to hit the three amigos onto uh penta uh but then penta instead halting that and hitting the own three amigos which we would see a lot of uh, in in remembrance of Eddie Guerrero. Eventually, though, Cash and Dax end up putting on the Superana's masks. Uh, Cash gets pulled into the ring, unbeknownst to the referee. He's not the legal man. It's Dax who's legal. So he almost pins Penta, but then uh, the Lucha Bros end up getting the stuffed pile driver and retaining the championships. However, he wasn't the legal man, so FTR has a way to back into uh, getting themselves a rematch despite the fact that their uh, little plan of using the mask didn't get them the championships on this night. They at least have a reason as to go for the titles once again because he wasn't legal. So I'm sure Floyd will have a lot more to add with that, but I'll go to JR first on this tag team title match. Thoughts on this match? So for me personally um, this was a this was a match that I was most excited for. Um, that I've probably been most excited for a match. Uh, man, I can't even tell you when because my top two teams are probably since like the Steiner brothers and the Andersons have been FTR and Lucha Bros. I love both these teams. And and Floyd, well, I'm sure will tell you when he gets on. But like, I was neutral in this whole. Rivalry because I love both these teams. I I'm a proud Mexican uh, American, and I love Penta from the moment I saw Malich Underground, and I enjoy Phoenix's work. Um, and I love the revival from the first or FTR was the first time I saw him as a revival in NXT. And so this to me is my this was my dream match for tag team wrestling. Like if you tell me pick two teams that could do it, like I. I'm so happy that I got to see this match live because these are my 
top two teams that I would say that I've been able to watch live in person at a certain age that I didn't go back and watch from like the Andersons or the Road Warriors or the Rock and Roll or Midnight Express, like that I was able to see them with my own two eyes in in living color. And I just, I think FTR is just the best heel team since probably the and the Andersons from the eighties and Lucha bros are a great baby face and they can love. And they, when you get that, it just creates a situation where you can have a dynamic match and you have the Lucha high spots. You have the throwback of, you know, style of the, the FTR has the ending though, was left a lot to be desired. Um, and when they started going into the Rana mask, I it, it immediately clicked in me. I'm like, oh, this is what the Killer Bees used to do in WWF back in the 80s, the, the Switch. But the the ending, though, just something didn't seem right. And I'll leave it and I'll leave it there and allow Floyd to elaborate because I think he knows more about the situation than I do. So I would love to see them again, but it just, like I said, for me, uh, I love I just love both these teams so much because of. Um, what they represent to me as a wrestling fan. Oh man, this was a great match. My favorite tag team in the world against the Loser Bros or Lucha Bros, whatever you want to call them. Uh, you know, I was very excited to see this match uh, back before AEW uh, started. I would have told you if you would ask me my favorites, I would have said. I love tag team wrestling. My four favorite tag teams are FTR, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Bros, and uh, Santana and Ortiz, a.k.a. LAX at that time. So we live in a world where they're all in the same, uh, in the same, uh, you know, company. And within the last year, you know, my dream matches would have been FTR versus Lucha Bros, FTR versus the Young Bucks, FTR versus... LAX, aka San Antonio Ortiz. In the last year, I have literally seen my favorite tag team wrestle all three of those teams, three teams on separate occasions. And at no point did they ever disappoint. The FTR versus Young Buck match, which you can hear actually my thoughts on. Uh, there's an AEW Best Match podcast that's on Social Suplex. Uh, so make sure uh, I've shared it out on through our uh, the show page. Make sure you check that out. In two weeks, you'll hear me talk about FTR versus Young Bucks, and that was amazing. Santana Ortiz, where we saw in Chicago versus the FTR, amazing. So we got to like the last of my dream matches, and uh, with it, FTR and Lucha Bros. And I thought for the most part, for about the first fourteen minutes of this match, it was perfect. Uh, apparently, at some point between ten and fourteen, uh, I and I can't even tell you where because I haven't watched the replay. Uh, but Phoenix hits uh, uh, Dax with a stiff shot. Maybe it's a kick. He doesn't really throw punches, so it had to be a kick. And Dax was a little concussed for the rest of the match. He worked, but he was a little concussed. It, it knocked him a little loopy. So that in spot, I. Dax was supposed to have more to do with it, but he really couldn't go. So Cash went in and took the pin. Uh, if you notice later, I'm not going to, uh, in an, another match, uh, Cash and Tully come out and Dax stays in the back. That's because of the con uh, concussion or 
I, I don't know if it's actually a concussion. It might be a mild concussion. He might have just been knocked loopy and it not been a concussion. So I don't know what the actual medical diagnosis is, but he wasn't supposed to work the rest of the night. I, I just thought it was a really good match, the three amigos spot. Uh, FTR hits their spike pile driver. Uh, they kicked out. Uh, the Lucha Bros hit their big uh, spike pile driver move. They kicked out, and then they pinned the wrong person, which uh, for me, I kind of wish, you know, I want tag team matches in AEW to kind of get the love singles matches do, and it's just like, I don't feel like in a big singles match, this is how it would have ended. I know Darby and MJF was kind of like that, but they were trying to do the the bait and switch type thing. And I just thought it left a little to be desired on the ending. I thought the match was still great. I will. I can't wait to see these dudes again, December 4th, uh, December 4th, triple a show. Uh, it's the triple a titles FTR versus the Lucha bros. So that I feel like they were building in that. And I'm also thinking, uh, they're building to another match in AEW. So I'm looking forward to all that. The only thing I will say, the only criticism I have to say about the ending is that I would like consistency. Uh, any other time in AEW where it was clear the ref made a mistake, a.k.a. MJF versus Chris Jericho, what happened? The match was restarted. But for the Hills, when it happened, the match wasn't restarted. So I'm just like, I don't. I don't care if FTR wins. Everyone knows that. I'm all. They're my favorite team because I love the way they perform. But I'm just saying, it's storytelling. You would like a little consistency there. And I like the finish, but I will say, having two finishes back to back at the start of the show that were a little unconventional, I think, might have thrown some fans for a loop. And it did kind of throw me for a loop. Just like, yes, like the finish was technically you could have ended the finish with just the dynamite diamond ring hitting. Uh, Darby, and then that's your lot. But then they did the headlock takeover for the pin just to like add insult to injury since that's what he was building towards for this match to begin with. But then you then immediately have this match which has the weird mask match, the mask finish where the wrong guy wasn't was pinned and he wasn't legal. And probably some people would have missed it if the commentators didn't get it over, which they did, and I, I appreciated that they did. But for the start of the show, I can understand if if some fans were a little bit more weary just because of like the finishes that they went with. I understand that, but it didn't necessarily bother me. I understand the consistency argument too. Um, but it was it, it was a it was a more di- it was a different start to the show than I think a lot of uh, AEW fans were used to. And like I said, mine was a small critique. It's like going forward. Like I said. FTR, I wouldn't be necessarily happy about it. They could lose every match. I, I go to watch them perform. I like the way they wrestle. But so the result, I understand. It's just wrestling. But I'm just saying you can do AEW. They're still writing their history. This is still the first three years. You're still determining what people can expect from you. So... You can change the narrative of professional wrestling that the rules kind of change on the fly by just choosing, you know, being consistent. Now, if you restart the match, Lucha Bros hit their finisher. FTR's like, why'd you restart the match? Man, we got screwed. We weren't ready to wrestle. Whatever you want to do. It's just, like I said, I just want consistency. For sure. We now move over to the six-man falls count anywhere match between 
Christian Cage and Jurassic Express with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus the Super Click, Adam Colbay-Bay, and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, with Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa backing them up. They were all wearing like purple, pinkish gear, and their mustache, Nick and Matt's like facial hair was dyed purple or like pink, and it looked horrendous, and I hated it. Uh, but this match, the spots were massive, like multiple chairs getting shoved at people's heads, um, table spots, like all different kinds of stuff. Like the battle up the ramp was insane. Uh, the trash can spots were ridiculous. These guys just threw everything they possibly could at this match. Um, I'd like to go through every single ma- uh, spot would just get like it would get to be repetitive. Uh, these guys threw everything they could into this. The little story element of Jungle Boy going to, for the concerto uh, because Christian Cage gave him the go ahead on it on Matt. Like that was vicious, and that was the end of the match. Uh, the baby faces go on top, and the super click end up falling as Matt takes the pin. Um, this was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with this match. Uh, again, I love the super. Uh, the super click's awesome. Adam Cole, baby, I'm so happy he's here. I want to continue to see a little bit more of Jungle Boy and Lucha. Uh, Jungle Boy and Adam Cole, baby in an actual like singles feud kind of because these two seem like they can really go for a while. Um, and I, I, this was, this was a lot of fun. Um, like you're not going to get a lot of like, like match of the night things. I think unless someone is really into just like hardcore false count anywhere, like just like gimmick wrestling and stuff like that. Um, but this was just a nice fun match, uh, just to, like split things in, in in the show a little bit. I really enjoyed this though. But JR, thoughts on the Falls Count Anywhere match? So this was my funnest match of the night, and I typically am not like I'm not about like high spot matches where just you know just a bunch of crazy shit happening. But when you're there in that crowd in the arena, you know, with those rabid fans, and you see. I mean, from the table spots to the thumbtack spot to Luchasaurus doing that crazy shooting star splash off the stage, uh, Christian Cage doing that that dive off the fucking lower level, you know, area um, in fucking section one thirty. Um, it's just it it made it to where like the adrenaline in your and your heart just pumping and you're just like oh my god like how much more crazy stuff can they do um and the way that with it ending it kind of i felt that really put the focus on jungle boy and the building him up i I feel like 20 uh like really beginning i think it was with um with double or nothing was really like you know building jungle boy up as like the future babyface star um that's one of the things I've noticed. I really felt since Double or Nothing 2021 is like we're seeing, you know, a lot more emphasis being put on, you know, those younger guys like Sammy and Jungle Boy. Um, and so that's where I felt out of this match that we saw a lot of was like that the the not just the good the baby faces won, but it was Jungle Boy that like really was spotlighted in. I it was just um a very exciting match and they did i mean i think those guys sat down and was just like all right let's write down every fucking spot we can do and then they were like all right let's go do it 
All right, Floyd. Yes, this was an amazingly fun match. This is multi-man matches that I love. This was entertaining. You could literally couldn't even keep up with everything that was going on in this match. Everything was happening, but I did love the story of Jungle Boy finding his killer instinct. Jungle Boy finding the aggressive nature to do what he has to do. He was too nice. He was too goody-goody. You know who was there to help him get his edge? Christian. He had, He was like the first, first time when Cole was there, and he handed him the chair, and he's like, dude, you know, you got to find that killer instinct in you. And Jungle Boy's like, ah, that's not who I am. But on that stage, when he took the chair away from Christian, Christian literally passed the torch to him, passed the concerto to him, and he uh, he uh, finally puts Matt away and gets the pin. That was just like, okay, okay, Jungle Boy just leveled up. This match was about getting Jungle Boy over, and they did. Adam Cole is already there. So we're going to get Jungle Boy and Adam Cole. Uh, Luchasaurus with the Shooting Star Press. Amazing. I just like, there's so much stuff in here. Uh, I think Brandon Cutler, I think gets lost of how he adds to every match that they're in. He is a, he is a part of the Young Bucks act at this point. This is not like, a, oh, they just brought their friend there. No, he enhances the matches with the spray and just kind of being the stooge that they need him to be. And, you know, he's there like when, you know, Luchasaurus, so they catch. He was the extra man to catch. And he's selling and he's recording for the blog. I just thought Brandon Color did a great job in this. Uh, the pink, man, they're so good at being heels that even their gear is, gear is heelish. And I love that the Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus came out in the old school ages, like the jeans and stuff. We came for a street fight, so we came in jeans, you know. And it was just, it was so 80s. It was like, it was very much a bridge between like the 80s street fight and what people look for in a 2021 wrestling match. Yeah, that's really all we can say about that. We then move to the tag team match between the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes and teaming him. He was teaming with the Bastard Pack versus Andrade Alidolo and Malachi Black. Now, before the match, if y'all chased, if y'all were some of the people that chased Cody off of Twitter, you're a bunch of bitches. Get a life. That's all I gotta say on that. Okay. Uh, I just want to collect. I want to say this: for the last few weeks, Cody has been kind of transitioning. He even put on his Twitter that he was moving from Twitter to Instagram because of the porn bots. It wasn't because the people were mean. I was just letting everybody okay. know. It wasn't a mean thing. He said it was because of the porn bots that are all on his Twitter and stuff. He's like, it just, it's easily to manage on Instagram. And I will tell you, and I've heard this from celebrities, and I can't even say that I knew this. They say Instagram is way less toxic. And if you go to Cody's page on Instagram, go to one thing he's posting and read down a few comments. You don't get one, I hope you die. Uh, you don't get one, uh, why are you even wrestling? They just, I don't know what it is about Instagram or whatever. It's either the people are nicer or they just do very well at filtering all that information. Out. I think it's also just because like in on Instagram, it's less like, I guess just you have to do a little bit more, I guess, just to find stuff and like read their posts and comment on it a little bit more. And plus Twitter's just the scum of the earth. So like, that's just always the way that it's been. Um, 
And yeah, if, if it's not the main reason as to why he went off Twitter, that's fine. But if you still were one of the people that were just like, oh, oh like, no, if you're no. just one of those people, yeah, you go no, fuck off and no, get a no. life. I, and I say that about pe- those people in general uh, because it's just, I don't know. I, I, I'm very much, I'm very much that, you know, having these people on Twitter is a privilege. You know, I've even said if I was a celebrity, I wouldn't be on Twitter. I would have a Twitter and all that stuff that would be managed. You'd let by, someone else run it. Yeah, so it would be managed by somebody, but I wouldn't be on it because it's literally the only thing it's done is kind of like for every good story where you hear where because of a change you've made in their life, you, they've made a change in your life, and that's great and it makes you feel amazing. There's 500 people telling you how much you suck. And it's mm-hmm. just like, I like, I, I, think I could personally handle it because I'm a bit of, I always say I'm a bit of a sociopath. I don't really care what people I don't know think of me, you know, but for a lot of people that are normal, (laughs) that uh, I could see how that could chip at you and chip at your soul and even chip at your confidence day by day by day. All you hear all day is how terrible you are and how much you suck and how much you're taking somebody else's spot and living off their dad's name. I don't know if, you know, if I'm normal, I don't know how much I take it that. Yeah, so. Yeah, regardless, though. The match itself, though, um, the boos for Cody are still significant, and the beginning of the match even saw Cody and Pac <laughs> tagging each other in, not getting along, and just kind of, like, being partners in just the technical sense not being like partners in which they worked well together um malachi black and andrade also had points where they were getting at each other a little bit um but they worked better uh in the ring as opposed to cody and pack who just kind of just did their own thing um this was a fine enough match i think cody once again continues to tease the possibility of him using the pedigree with the tiger driver 98 um but uh pack also just Flying around the ring, kicking ass, did it great in this match. Andrade and Malachi are two of the best pro- people that they have in AEW that have come in recently. Um, and um, there was a good period in this match where Cody really didn't do much. He was just on the outside, and Pac was really doing a ton of the offense. And Pac was the one who ended up getting the win by hitting the Black Arrow on uh, Andrade Alidolo and getting the win before Cash Wheeler of FTR comes in and kicked Pac's head in, and of course, like Floyd said, it was supposed to be both of them, but it was just Cash Wheeler. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, this was a good tag team match. It, nothing on the line, so these two were just kind of just trying to continue their feuds overall. Um, Cody has consistently gone on the right railings, uh, denying the heel turn uh, all over the place, and I still feel like people don't believe him. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's that. But um, in terms of the storyline... I'm kind of just like like kind of seeing where things are going, but also kind of not seeing where things are going. I'm in a little bit of a lull. I, um, what I, I looked at Jr. and I looked at Jr. after this match. We talked after this match, and it's like nothing happened. Yeah, it's like nothing really was a uh, move forward <laughs> besides the fact that Pac has still got issues with uh, FTR, uh, with them doing stuff with Andrade and the Lucha Bros and. Uh, all that kind of stuff. But, like, in terms of Cody, like, yeah, we got to see Arn do the whole uh, pop a Glock in your ass uh, thing, which is still my favorite thing that Arn does now. Um, 
But, like, in terms of that, it's like, Cody, I don't know. Again, like, it's a weird situation with Cody where it's like, I understand that he's trying to, like, sway people. Like, I'm not turning heel. Like, that's not happening. And we kind of went through the period where I was, like, trying to find myself. But, like, again, it's like, I, it's like I'm still kind of waiting for something, like, major to happen with Cody. Whether it's a character change, whether it's a massive storyline shift, whether it's something in that regard. I'm kind of just waiting for that point. It doesn't even need to be a heel turn. It really doesn't. But I'm just waiting for that major character or storyline moment to happen with Cody to, like, energize at least interest into Cody. Because I think that's the combination of just, like, people, like, moving away from Cody and his character and also just lack of, like, massive things that he's doing, I think has led to the apathy that has had Cody go through uh, the situation. But I just want to see, like, I need I kind of need to see... I'll be, I'm continuing to be patient with it, but I kind of just need to see a little bit more of a development in this regard. But I've talked enough about this match. Uh, JR, thoughts on this match? Um, I think with this whole situation where we started with Cody versus Malachi, Pack versus um, Andrade, we got to a situation where we had four great talent. They're all great in their own way. And they were having single feuds, and it seemed like as we're getting closer to full gear, it was like, oh, shit, we need to get them on the show, but we don't know how do we get them on the show because they've already had single matches, and you know what, fuck it, just put them in a tag match. That's how it kind of seemed, and then as we get towards the, like, and then the way it ended, it's still, you know, an unresolved situation where just, there's just a. We needed to know some sort of direction. I mean, the match was the match was great because they're all four great talents. I mean, Andrade, he has just a great presence about him. Um, I mean, I don't need to say anything in the sense of Cody because what he's done. Pac has amazing facial expressions and a great in ring worker. Uh, Malachi with that Muay Thai background. Just I, I was telling Floyd and Tiffany. I'm because with my you know working out and stuff, I'm so impressed with Malachi's flexibility and some of the spots he can get into. Um, it's just crazy, like how because he doesn't look like he is, you know, the when you see him, he doesn't look as athletic as he is, but that dude is athletic AF. So I mean, it was it was a solid match. They all brought you know their their A game, but yeah, it, it's with the ending um, with Tolly and. Um, Dax coming down, it's like I have no idea where we're going. And um I mean, I'm interested to see what happens, but I we need some we need something significant to happen as we're recording Tuesday tomorrow on Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um match was match was good, lots of high flying, lots of moments. Great! It was. Uh, it would have been great as a fatal four way or as a tag match. I'm not. I'm not saying anything about the work of the match because that was very entertaining. The story they're trying to tell is convoluted as fuck. And even as a Cody fan, that's happy to see Cody on pay per views and everything. I'm a long burn guy, but to me, when it comes to the slow burn. Each session of the slow burn has to be entertaining. It's been a while since we've hit an entertaining part of this Cody story. So, yeah, fix that. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm ready for the end, 
but I'm ready for something to happen. A, a reason to talk about it. A reason to actually care. I mean, other than it being Cody, I don't understand why anyone would care about what's going on right now. Yeah, that's that's really it. But um, we'll move quickly, though, into the AW Women's World Championship match between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Ty Conti. Um, now, Ty Conti had uh, the Brazilian um, the Brazilian uh, eye makeup and gear and brought out the flag tied in with the American flag. And Britt Baker was played out by uh, Lee, uh, one of the guitarists from Fozzie. Um, I made I immediately drew a parallel of Shinsuke Nakamura uh, with uh, Rick Boogs. Uh, it wasn't the case, but still, I thought it was cool just to see that. Um, this, of course, was probably Brit's. I mean, uh, Ty Conti's biggest match that she's had in uh, AEW, and uh, she did really well. I felt like um, there was a lot of distracted moments where uh, Brit, uh, Rebel and Jamie Hader got involved and hit Ty with cheap, cheap, cheap shots to get the win. Uh, and there was there, there was a lot of good stuff in this match. Um, I think Ty is really being positioned to be one of uh, AEW's uh, top uh, one of the one of her one of the top uh, uh, babyface uh, women's talent that they have on the roster, and I'm all for it because I think Ty is awesome. Um, I think Britt is still just such a good uh, heel women's championship, real heel women's champion. Um, but this match I thought thought was a a, a good women's championship match. Um, I really am interested to see uh, what Ty continues to do. Um, if she moves away from the championship uh, and who Brit's next challenger is going to be. But I thought this was a good uh, women's championship match. I thought this did a really good job, though. But JR, go ahead. Initial thoughts is from the moment I saw, I mean, Tay Conte has a great look, but when she came out uh, to the ring um, with the flag that she had and the face paint, I thought she looked tremendous. Like she was ready to main event a show. Um, and the way that she carried herself to the ring through and through the intro, I just was like, man, she looks just like, she looks like she's destined to be a superstar. Um, and obviously Brits as great as she was. And I thought they had a great match. I thought they had good chemistry. Um, there's just, there's, with this pay-per-view, as I, I love this pay-per-view so much, um, but there's so much, uh, for lack of a better term, and just being blunt, there's so much fuckery around it. Like some of these endings, like we've already saw with MJF and Darby, with FTR and Lucha Bros. <clears throat> and then like before this, the ending when you had Tully and Cash. So when you have like Rebel and Jamie Hayter like getting involved, it kind of takes away from that because that's an important part, in my opinion, of um, Britt Baker is that that's her entourage, especially with Rebel. And so you have to kind of, in my opinion, as more of an older school fan, it's like, don't do so much of that in other matches because it takes away from that. And in addition to that, you know, Tay has a best friend. Why wasn't Tay's best friend Anna Jay there to help offset that in you know Jamie and Rebel, um, and I think just recently there was a six man a six woman match, but Thunder Rosa part of it, and Thunder and Jamie have have history, and I think they're going to face soon. I believe I'm I'm getting my stuff mixed up, 
But it's like, why weren't they there to help offset this or chase them away? So um, that's the only thing that, I, for me, I wish was, you know, may have changed a little bit for it. But, you, you know, I know we say this a lot, and I've said it already already, but, man, they're – the future is bright with Tay Conti um, because it's somebody you can definitely see that um, that could be your AEW Women's World Champion down the line. Uh, my big thing on this match is, again, this is going to be another critique of AEW. I know we are the proclivity of positivity, but I'm going to be honest when I say they needed to do a better job of building Tay's chances going into this match. I don't think a single solitary person. I listen to all sorts of AEW podcasts, wrestling podcasts. No single solitary person thought Ty Conti was going to win or did she have a shot. This was just another Britt Baker title shot. I thought Ty Conti did well. I thought her and Britt worked well together. I thought this was a really good match. But the whole idea that you never thought that the, even in the false finishes, they played on deaf ears, deaf ears. Even though they did draw the fans into them, they were kind of down at the beginning, but they got the fans all the way in the match by the end. It was just the fact that there was no chance of Ty actually winning. And, and I do think the build is the problem. I think she didn't get enough wins building up to her match with uh, Britt Baker. But I thought it was a good match. Britt Baker is one of the more over people in the company. She gets cheered the loudest. The DMD thing goes crazy. She has her entourage with Rebel and Jamie. That's great. I thought there was some great moments in this match. I love the stump on the uh, a stump on the uh, steps. I thought that was really good. And the double uh, the double uh, interference. I. Ty hit her finisher right in the middle of the ring and didn't get to three. And that was like, uh, fucking gotch pile driver by Ty was great. But yeah, there's some great moments in this match. But I just think the doubt, no, the no doubt in what was going to be the resolution of the match was the thing that held it back the most. All right. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, that's probably a lot of people's biggest issue with the match. But we then get. To my most anticipated match on the show, CM Punk, the best in the world, versus the Mad King, Eddie Kingston. Now, Floyd knows this is the power hour of me gushing about CM Punk. Uh, first off, we got fight shorts back from CM Punk with the Chicago fight shorts that he decided to go back out with. So those complaining about the long boys and wanting the short, like, just normal trunks, uh, you kind of got what you wanted, but not exactly. Um, these guys came out and they were going to take each other's heads off. Eddie Kingston just completely out there to destroy Punk. Punk was in probably the most intense match of his time since being back in AEW. Um, Kingston eventually, at the start of the match, just hit a spinning back fist and dropped Punk and was just laughing it up. I mean, dude, like, this is how good Eddie Kingston is, first of all. The fact that that match was so split, the fact that it was half Eddie Kingston fans, half CM Punk fans, and of course you got both these guys' chance, of course, like, regardless, but there were probably a good amount of people booing CM Punk in that crowd. I'm sure Floyd and JR could vouch for that, but I'm sure that was the case. Um, And that's just a testament of how good Eddie is and how great he is, despite 
poking Punk in the eye on multiple chances. Um, yeah, it was just Eddie showcased how great he was. Punk, in an act of just completely fucking with the fans, goes for the five moves of doom, shoulder tackle, shoulder tackle, side side slam, goes with his hand in the air. The crowd instant like I saw a shoulder tackle and I was like, there's no fucking way this man's doing this. And the second one happens and people are like, hang on. And then they go, he goes for the side slam and then he puts his hand in the air and the crowd loses their fucking mind. And instead of going, you can't see me, he flips off Eddie Kingston right there and they continue to go at it. Um, again, Punk has said before, like right then and there, he's like, I'm just fucking with people at this point, which I love. Um, Punk gets busted open at one point in this match. These guys continue to go at each other. Another three amigos as Punk goes for the three amigos uh, in, in memory of Eddie Guerrero. Uh, these guys just consistently just beating the hell out of each other, um, go to sleeps, and <clears throat> Eddie Kingston, after uh, these guys were just punching each other repeatedly, uh, motions for the GTS uh, by putting his hands to his head uh, until Punk hits him with the go to sleep. Uh, and again, these guys are just hitting each other over and over and over and over again. Uh, and Eddie Kingston eventually will fall to the go to sleep after uh, Punk gets that on him and he gets the win. Um, a lot of middle fingers, a lot of blood, a lot of vicious strikes. This was Punk's best match in AEW, I think. Um, I'm more biased, of course, because I got to see his first match against Darby Allin. That's probably going to be my favorite Punk match uh, since he's returned to AEW. But I think a lot of people would uh, say this was his best match in AEW so far. Uh, I, I'm i telling people that y'all were going like, oh, he's washed up, he can't do it anymore. Nah, this man's still the best in the world, and he showcased it on that point. And Eddie Kingston is a fucking legend. I want him to get a title run so badly, and I hope that they go for him on either the TNT title or the AEW world title if they decide to do that. But this dude is so good, and I'm so happy he's in AEW. Um, Punk, at the end of the match, offered to shake Eddie's hand, declined it. Hopefully that means we get to see more of this, because I love this feud so much, and if they just kept going with it, I'd be fine with it. Um, but also... I will say, too, um, as a CM Punk fan, uh, considering the response that Punk got and the fact that Punk is enjoying to f- enjoying fucking with the fans, I really think a heel CM Punk would be a lot of fun. And I don't know if they're going to eventually go down that road. Um, I know Punk's having way too much fun right now with uh, wrestling, and that's great. But again, I will say, a heel CM Punk at this point, who is going after smart wrestling fans, I think would just bring so much fun shit. But... That's for the future. And I've talked enough about this match, and I've talked about Punk. This is my favorite match on the night. Uh, JR, I know I said a lot. Is there anything else you want to add to this match? Um, for me, I think I may have said Lucia Bros or FTR was, was my favorite match of the night um, for personal reasons. But this was my match of the night as well because, you know, I am a... Besides wrestling fan, I am a fight fan. And what do fight fans love? They love bitter rivalries. They love blood feuds. And the minute that Eddie Kingston, you know, cut that promo and just tore into CM Punk and ending it with like, you know, leave for another seven years. I mean, every single week you saw Eddie Kingston and CM Punk on TV, it just continued to build like this animosity where you thought they wanted to tear each other apart. And it was 
I think it's probably, I know I'm, you know, forgetting in the last 20 years, but I feel this built up for this match was almost, I mean, this was up there with like Rock and Austin, WrestleMania 17 from 2001. Like, it just, everything got better and better. And then you get there and you see Eddie Kingston coming to the ring and you see his eyes about how laser focused he is, like to Terry to see him punk. And then he hits, as you mentioned, that backhand. He just has that sadistic look on his face. And I love a strong style type match. That's how I feel that they wrestled was just a very stiff, strong style um, um, way. It was just so fun. And, you know, being in Punk's first match, you know, being there like just like you saw him against Darby and then seeing this match live, I feel like this match was his best match in, in AEW. Not that his first match, there was nothing wrong with it. I thought Punk had a great showing. I just think this was better showcase um, both him and Eddie Kingston, I think, than the Darby and... Uh, CM Punk. I think also the blood feud was a big part of that, where I felt the first one was a lot about respect and it's like, hey, you remind me of me when I was your age, or this one's just like, you wanted to see them tear, you know, tear each other apart. And that's what we got, and it delivered. Yeah, um, this was my second favorite match of the night. This reminded me, like, of a New Japan Never Openweight match. Very physical, very fine. I also think this is best CM Punk's best match uh, since uh, he got back. And me and Jr. actually had a conversation about it, and I thought Jr. made a great point. And I was hoping he made this point when he was discussing this match: is that Eddie Kingston works the perfect style for forty-four-year-old CM Punk. Um, yeah. CM Punk didn't get winded in this match. He didn't get exhausted. It was a fight. It was very much. He even came out in the Muay Thai shorts. I didn't come out to. Uh, I didn't come out to do arm. Uh, you know, arm lock stuff. We came out to fight when he was about to do the five knuckle shuffle, and then he stopped and just started beating his head in. That was the type of match. The blood was coming out. Uh, you know, even the the preached back fist at the beginning of the match to show that Eddie has the ability to knock uh, CM Punk out with one punch. It, I, you know, I had this idea of what the ending should be, and honestly, by the time the match ended, I didn't care who won because it, I thought Eddie Kingston, you know, got over in this match. He got pulled up to CM Punk's level for this match. Not many people in the company could make CM Punk get booed. Eddie Kingston uh, made him get booed. If you think that Player Tribune article coming out a week before the CM Punk match was an accident and they accidentally got Eddie Kingston over, you got worked. All of that yeah. was worked together. All of that was to get Eddie Kingston over. Eddie Kingston lost the match and is more over than he was before the match started. Yeah, no question about it. We then move over, though, to the Minneapolis street fight between the inner circle consisting of Chris Jericho, the demo god, Jake Hager, the TNT champion, Sammy Guevara, and Santana and Ortiz versus men of the year, all the Eagle, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky, an American top team consisting of Dan Lambert, Andrea Orlovsky, and Junior Dos Santos. Uh, this was fun. 
I thought this was fun. I thought Sammy in like again, Sammy's still great. I really kind of want now though for me personally. I love the fact that the inner circle got reunited and it's great. And it was for this nice little feud. I want Sammy to actually be TNT champion and do stuff by himself because I want T- Sammy to strike it out on his own. I think he was made in the inner circle, like really gotten like introduced to the world in the inner circle. But now I think it's time for him to spread his wings and be the TNT champion, all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought Junior Dos Santos and Andre Orlovsky had a good amount of work in this match and they had some good spots, I felt like. Um, but... It's like, I think this did what it wanted to do. Dan Lambert healed it up, like, incredibly. So uh, Chris Jericho is really having a lot of fun with this. Um, Chris Jericho was able to actually get the win on Dan Lambert uh, with the frog splash, which I appreciate. Um, But I thought this was a fun little match. Um, I thought, like, the street fight stuff. Again, this was very, it was similar to the... uh, to the False Count Anywhere match in the sense of, like, just being a lot of fun, like, with the... On this show, I preferred the False Count Anywhere match just because I thought, like, the spots were cooler. Um, but I thought, overall, this was fine. I thought Jake Hager getting uh, the spot of diving onto everybody was freaking fun. Um, but, yeah, I thought this was cool. Uh, the football being used uh, because of all the all the Minneapolis-related stuff that was thrown into uh, the fight, including the giant print symbol, was funny. Uh, though I appreciated more so the football just throwing right into Scorpio Sky by Sammy. I love that. And also someone had a Minnesota Vikings helmet that they just wanted to get used but never got used, and that made me sad. But it's whatevers. Uh, But, yeah, this was fun. Um, But I can firmly say, though, I am am hoping that Sammy can move away from the inner circle and be TNT champion. And as much as I have enjoyed the American Top Team stuff because Dan Lambert is a great heel, kind of... I'd, I'd be okay if this ended, honestly. But, JR, your thoughts? Um, so my thoughts are going to be uh, incomplete, and I'll tell you why. Uh, for first thing is, I, I mentioned in the previous one, I'm a big fight fan. I, I, I just said I went to UFC before I went to Full Gear. Um, with the exception of certain individuals, most shoot fighters can't work shoot uh, or work. Um, Gino Santos, Andre Lofsky, two legendary UFC heavyweight champions. I just, they're trained to be professional fighters and not trained to be professional wrestlers. I think they did a lot to hide their shortcomings, but being in that crowd, you can see how limited they were, but they did give it their all. The one thing I know fans, like for some, because just fans are can be difficult. They despise, dislike this whole angle um, for reasons that I don't think are fair because I have listened to interviews and read interviews from both Dan Lambert and I've I've met Dan Lambert multiple times. I actually met him Saturday before All Out. I saw him again as he was walking into the arena. I stopped. I just said hi to him and Junior Dos Santos. Really great guys. Um, They are really appreciative of professional wrestling. Gino Santos has said on record that after UFC basically kicked him to the curb, that he felt he was uh, been appreciate he was appreciated for what he's done in AEW and, and the AEW personnel um, have been you know very gracious to him. 
and he's very thankful of that. Um, and Dan Lambert is a massive wrestling fan. I'm sure. I think I've said this before on the show. And he loves wrestling, and he is an eighty style hit. What he's doing, he's doing like Bobby Heenan type stuff from WWF in the eighties. And I don't know why people dislike him because he really is. He is a wrestling fan, and isn't that what wrestling like fans say they like? They like people who are wrestling people, like people who are not here just to make a buck. Like I don't know, like the freaking Kim Kardashian was at WrestleMania one time, or I, you know, I'm losing thinking of celebrities, but um, that he really is a wrestling fan. He's passionate of what he does, of being what he's in there, and he's good at being a heel. I just don't want to see MMA guys doing wrestling anymore. Um, the reason I said my thoughts are incomplete in the match is somewhere around the match, uh, in section one, where I was sitting, I was in row two. Um, I believe it was Santana decided to chuck Ethan Page into the crowd and took out our section. And then it made it worse when he just, when, uh, Santana decided to dive on everybody on top of Ethan Page, and we were all just like discombobulated and trying to like get out of the way. And um, you know, I've went, I've been to a GCW show where they've done stuff like that, and it's very easy to get out of the way of a GCW show because you can move your chairs and you can move, um, you know, back. Um, in that situation, uh, just, you know, letting AEW know, when you zip tie chairs together and they're, you're sitting, I mean, inches away from other people, you can't get out of the way unless you're going to have people jump over the railings into the entranceway. So it, it was just very chaotic. And I honestly, by the time we got everything sorted out, the match was over and I don't even know how the match ended. Well, this match was crazy. It was fun. Uh, got a lot of good pictures during the match. Uh, uh, but I echo your sentiments when you were talking about Sammy. But I remember, I, I talk about it when it comes to Santana and Ortiz. I love that they're in a circle. I think Chris Jericho really elevated their person, you know, their styles, and letting everybody knows. So, you know, with the um, with the stadium stampedes and the street fights, I think Santana Ortiz are, they have a name. They have been established in AEW, but I feel like it's also holding them back from being a full member of the tag team division. So, uh, yeah, they need to be a part of the tag team division. So I want them to kind of leave this inner circle stuff behind a little bit, get into the tag team division so I'm looking forward to that. Of course, Samuel's on his own. But I thought Scorpio Scott did a really good job. Ethan Page might have been the MVP just because, you know, they were the two wrestlers. And they literally had like three people that they had to carry. So whenever they needed somebody to do a complicated or difficult heel spot, it had to be Page or Sky. I think they both stepped up really well. I think Junior Joe Santos has a natural gift. For professional wrestling, I don't think Andre Olaski has the same natural gift uh, for it. And I think Dan Lambert was built to do this. He was born to be a heel manager. I think he's, I, I personally think maybe other than Paul Heyman, he's the best heel manager in wrestling right now. 
I, I'd put him right there with Don Callis because he's just he knows who he is as a character. He's okay with it. He's going to talk shit, and then he's going to run away. I just think he does it perfectly. I thought this match was done well. The weirdest thing is that it kind of started off as a normal tag match, but uh, by the end, it was so fun. Someone got hit with a bunt pan, which I thought was the coolest weapon I've ever seen in wrestling. Big-ass ski. The print symbol, which I didn't know was the print symbol, had this funny moment with Tiffany with the print symbol. And I am not a big music person. You know that about me, Austin. And so, yes. And I am definitely the least big Prince fan you will ever meet. Didn't really like Prince's music all that much. Didn't keep up with Prince as a person. So when they pulled out the inner circle, I was like, oh, I guess that's the new symbol for the inner circle. Oh, my Lord. And I said that to uh, Tiffany. And then I heard the Purple Rain. Oh, I guess that's Prince's symbol. And I think Tiffany, th- and no, not even I think, Tiffany thought I was trying to tell her it was Prince's symbol. She's like, I know it's Prince's symbol. I was like, hold on. I didn't know it was Prince's symbol. <laughs> I wasn't trying to correct you. I was, I was saying, oh, I guess that's Prince's symbol. That was me acknowledging that there was something very obvious that I did not know because I'm not the fan of big a fan of Prince. I know that's sacrilegious to say, but yeah, had no idea what it was. And yeah, Purple Rain song gave it away to me. And I had this big, oh shit, I should have known that moment. And yeah, but Viking stuff, all the Eddie Guerrero uh, tributes, a weird, a weird fact, I actually stayed in the hotel Eddie Guerrero died in. Not in the room, huh. of course, but in the hotel. The Marriott Center, City Center in Minneapolis is where I stayed. And apparently that's where Eddie Guerrero was found dead 16 years ago. Weird. Huh. Weird. Because I didn't know. Do you like the day? It was like 16 the years to the day. day. Yeah. So I was literally staying in the same hotel that Eddie Guerrero died in 16 years ago, which I had no clue when I booked the hotel. I was just trying to get something close to the stadium. Uh, so, yeah, that was it. That was It was just crazy things that came through in this match, and I just thought it dealt really well. I I would have guaranteed you that America's top team should have got the win, but I imagine because they lost, they are going to kind of go away going forward. I, I, I can say some of the fan base – so it, it, you question whether the sum of the fan base actually likes wrestling because well, anytime they're getting worked by wrestling, it seems to piss them off. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, he's supposed to be pissing you off. He's the bad guy. He's the jerk. He's going to get his in the end. He's supposed to be pissing you off. Well, I don't like that kind of heat. You're not supposed to like it. Well, I'm just not going to watch. <laughs> I'm like what? Sure. That's okay. what, you know. That's that's what they do. I, it's just you you gotta let you know wrestlers are playing characters, and you have to let them play their character. There was uh, one thing I want to say. I forgot to mention this because I saw it um, before the Santana. Before I guess I think it was Santana, and I know it was Ethan Page uh, had took out our section. I believe Jake Hager took that football and chucked it into the crowd, and. I, and if I'm not mistaken, it came dangerously close to taking out Tiffany and Floyd. Yeah, it came pretty close to us. Yeah, it was. <laughs> we, we we laughed because yeah, I was like, I told Tiffany, 
I would knock it down because, you know, I can't catch because, nah, not my thing. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. Like, a lot of shit came out to us. We thought, we thought JR, we thought JR and Eva were dead because all you saw was this big ass human flying into the row. And it was like, and for a moment there, you couldn't see JR and Eva. They were just gone. So I was like, uh, all right, are we, they we got okay? Our feet singled up in chairs. Yeah. I had to, I grabbed my wife as tight as I could because I was like, I was trying to like pull her out. Like, yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah, um, it was fun though. Yeah, well, there you go. But there was a massive announcement before the main event as Tony Schiavone came out onto the ring and announced that uh, the twenty-year veteran, multi-time champion was being added to AEW's roster. Jay Lethal was walking through the forbidden door and he's officially all elite and he announced that there was an he he knew there was an open challenge for the TNT title and he wanted to challenge Sammy for the title this Wednesday on Dynamite. Sammy walked out, had a face off and said you're on. So Sammy Guevara will be defending the TNT championship against Jay Lethal and I got to say Really fucking cool announcement. Um, I think it wasn't one that like blew people's heads off or anything like that, which is fine. I don't think every single one should. But I will say um, it at least adds to the roster a little bit more of representation. And for people who were talking about the lack of African-American talent on the roster, you have another one in that regard. And I think Jay Lethal is awesome. Black Machismo is awesome. Um, he, of course, was at All In. I mean, it's pretty serendipitous in that regard. Um, so I think Jay Lethal is a good addition to the roster, and again, you get a little bit more representation in that regard, so less people can uh, complain about that, I guess. But I think Jay Lethal is a genuinely good inclusion, though. So, Jr. thoughts on Jay Lethal, though? Mm, yeah, but yes. can you dig it? Um, you know, former TNA X Division champion, Ring of Honor television champion, tag team champion, world champion. I was there. My first Ring of Honor event uh, I went to was Death Before Dishonor 2016. He was the Ring of Honor uh, World Champion. He had a blood feud with uh, now his, his fellow coworker um, Adam Cole, who had shaved his head, um, shaved shaved his head, and um, and Adam Cole beat him for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Title. Um, a, a veteran of the game, um, somebody who's definitely going to bring a lot of experience to the roster. I, we get to the situation. Um, I, I keep asking myself um, at this point, where, how much more does Tony Khan want to expand the roster? Because I, in my opinion, I believe the roster is very big. Um, Grant, and you know, obviously we have Rampage and Dynamite, which essentially is around an hour thirty plus forty-five minutes of television for Rampage, uh, without counting, you know, we take out commercials, and you do have Dark and Dark Elevation, which in a lot of ways are squash matches. So, um, I, I just that's my thing is, is like, you know, in the, in the last month, you know, adding Bobby Fish as well. Um, obviously there's a lot of names on the going to be free agents very soon. So that's how I look at it, but I've always been a fan of Jay Lethal because of his, uh, his workability. I always, uh, liked his, um, um, I think it does finisher called lethal injection. And, 
Um, I enjoyed his work, so it'll be interesting to see the the unique matches they can bring in, especially tomorrow against uh, Vlog uh, Crew leader Sammy Guevara, TNT champion. Yeah, um, I'm very excited for Jay Lethal to come on. Uh, the whole idea that AEW does not uh, has a lack of black male singles wrestlers is like now kind of going by the wayside. Uh, big signing with Lee Moriarty, big signing with uh, Leo Rush, big signing with Jay Lethal. Uh, you know, you know, you know, Keith Lee just got released. His 90 days will be up, uh, and before you know it, it did. I think it's a significant impact for that. And Jay Lethal's just a fucking talented wrestler and trainer. He's just, he's going to bring a lot of experience to the ring. He knows how to work the uh, entertaining style for what is 2021 wrestling. He'll help bring a lot of young wrestlers along and, you know, putting matches together. It's just adding a strong piece. It's a strong veteran lead, uh, leader. I mean, it, I would. Uh, it's akin to Carmelo joining the Lakers bench. You know what I mean? It's just, dude. It's just adding depth to an already deep roster. So I, I welcome him. Uh, there's some things going around about him that have caused some questions to be asked. I don't try to get involved in all of that. I just think Jay Lethal is a strong addition to the roster. Yeah, and we'll quickly move over to the main event, the AEW World Championship match between the champion, the cleaner, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Adam Page. I loved Hangman's little pre-video package that they had of the drone around the Target Center where you could see the little, like, walkway that leads into the arena where the dark order was just bolting in there like let's go let's go and then hangman's riding the horse down the streets and has like his past failures where he didn't win the aw world championship uh for the inaugural uh championship uh match and he screwed over the young bucks and all the other stuff that was going on in his life uh leading up to this moment and then eventually gets off the horse and gets into the the arena i love that opening package first of all and also, I will say, too, before we get into the actual match, too, I know Kenny Omega was on that uh, that uh, sports chiropractor YouTube channel where he announced where he talked about how he actually deals with vertigo, which is an insane thing to think of, considering the type of wrestler that he is. And also that apparently during the match, he was dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury. So um, after the match, he will be taking some time off to rest and heal that. Um, but God damn it, that doesn't just like add on to how incredible Kenny Omega is to deal with vertigo and a shoulder uh, issue, uh, probably all in this match, which all alone is just insane. But for this match that we were all waiting for so much, it was great. Hangman's over like Rover. Kenny Omega got a great heel response. Don Callis was just getting booed the entire match. Um, these guys did such great work i mean there is just multiple spots where these dudes just would suplex each other on each other's heads or clothesline each other and they'd land on their shoulders like these guys beat the hell out of each other and i'm sure this was a this was an insanely physical match um the spot where hangman goes for the uh buckshot lariat but then paul turner's pulled into it uh was great 
Aubrey Edwards. Of course, at one point, because of the distracted referee issue, like Paul Turner was just getting refuse suck chants and we want Aubrey chants, I heard during the match. And you got Aubrey once uh, Paul Turner got knocked out. And Aubrey came out to keep the match going on. Uh, Kenny got, uh, Kenny hit multiple vicious V triggers. Uh, Hangman hit a one winged angel, which was awesome. Couldn't get the win though because only Hang uh, only Kenny can hit that move uh, properly. Uh, then we had the Young Bucks come out, limping out to the ringside area, and as Kenny and Hangman are just beating the hell out of each other, uh, Kenny is on one end of the ring and Nick is looking at him and doesn't do anything. And then Kenny finds uh, Hangman finds himself on the opposite side of the ring. And Matt's looking at him. He gives him Matt. Matt gives uh, Hangman a little nod, and then Kenny hits the buckshot lariat once again, and he gets the win. And Hangman is your new AEW World Champion. And the Dark Order comes out. They celebrate with him. Uh, he's offered a beer. He pushes it away and hugs his friends. It's just a great ending. And of course, like Floyd had talked about how like he really wanted this to continue. And I understand that. But you, this was an incredible moment just to be there for. I'm sure like the fact that you guys were there too, Floyd, um, it probably added to the fact that just, it was nice to be there for that moment. Um, but yeah, this was a, un, a great ending to the show. A uh, hell of a show. Um, and yeah, uh, Hangman's finally the AEW World Champion. And I think it's just, it's about time. So JR, your thoughts? So, Floyd will tell you um, the only there's only two reasons why I went to full gear because I told Floyd after all out I'm not gonna go to full gear. I said I'm not gonna go full gear. The only reasons why was I said I want to I want to take my wife to meet Floyd and Tiffany because I want to see them again and I want to see Hangman win the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. From the very beginning of AEW, when they AEW was formed and they had their press conference in Jacksonville, um, I felt that Hangman Adam Page um, was going to be their first homegrown main event star. That if you look at Hangman Adam Page um, when he joined the Bullet Club, which was around 2016, he was kind of always a mid Carter type. Um, he never. To my knowledge, I don't think he ever had like a singles run, even as a mid-card champion, and whether it was Ring of Honor or New Japan. Um, and I remember uh, meeting him at Supercard of Honor in 2018, and he jokingly said, oh, "I'm gonna beat Okada for the for the the IWGP Championship in the Tokyo Dome." And I just said, you know, I think one day you're going to be a champion because I saw he had a great look. I think he had a great presence uh, in the ring. Um, I just felt that he would eventually be a world champion. And when he signed with AEW, like Young Butts already had a name. Kenny Omega was a star. Cody, Cody Rhodes was a star. And I just felt that Hangman was going to be my role. And this like almost three-year journey if you think about when you know they had that press conference in jacksonville in 2019 but you know an over two and a half year journey culminated in that match with him winning and it was just i, I mean some people said they cried i didn't cry but i really had a massive grin on my face because i was just really happy to be there see alive uh happy for him to finally you know make that and 
um, to become the AEW World Champion. Um, and it was just really cool experiencing that, you know, with Tiffany and, and Floyd and, and my wife. Um, I actually got like, actually uh, got up because I was, for some reason I got up, I can't remember why, but I actually sat next to Floyd and Tiffany because it was uh, horrible trying to get back you, to my chair. You were trying to position yourself to get the shirt. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I did do that. Um, which those shirts were not available in the arena. Um, but, and the other thing too, is that, you know, they had a great match. And when you find out that Kenny was injured and I know some people are like, Oh, that he wasn't injured. Like he put him up in the wrong way. Angel. Well, I know a little bit about working out. Um, and, and, you know, my back is pretty strong. And as even with like on my shoulders, if I had injured shoulders, I could probably put somebody up on my shoulders. But and Floyd mentioned this when I was talking to him yesterday off air. But to putting someone on your shoulders and then trying to, but then trying to control their weight into that wrong wing angel maneuver is with, with a dead arm would be impossible. You he would have potentially dropped Adam Page on his head. So doing what he did with having a dead arm where he was where he potentially couldn't lift anything is was pretty tremendous. Um, and hopefully. Um, you know, let's see what the future holds for Hangman beginning tomorrow with the celebration. I can see a lot of different directions. Maybe it's MJF. Maybe it's, uh, you know, going with Brian Danielson right off the bat. Um, maybe it's Adam Cole. But I definitely think Kenny Omega, I will say this. I've never been, uh, I've always respected Kenny. I was never a big Kenny Omega fan. But I think his time as AEW World Champion was great. I think he... Did a hell of a job in the last year um, during the pandemic time working with Impact Wrestling as well, doing some stuff with AAA Wrestling in Mexico. Uh, definitely a lot of respect for him, and I would like to see him take some time off, heal up. Because um, I don't, I think when you look at AEW formation, I don't think he really has had time off from the time he left uh, New Japan to AEW was created. I think he's worked from the first dynamite he's worked pretty consistently for the last, um this entire time because he was there even during the pandemic time because they had he had the the infamous match with Allen Angels where everybody felt like he fed Allen too much. Well I thought this match was exactly what it needed to be. Uh it was Hangman's elevation oh. to the top guy in the company. Um it was Kenny Omega putting on the best match he can in the situation he can. There were a lot of throwbacks and callbacks. The best being the Bucks coming out and Matt Hardy, I mean, Matt Jackson giving Hangman the nod before he hits the final, uh, final, uh, butch shot lariat. As they hit the three, it's JR celebrating. I'll run to the thing and I find out they don't have any, just, uh, have any of the uh, hangman one shirts so i came back down and i got to watch him in the ring with the dark order saw that special moment i thought the match was great it was probably my third favorite match of the night i thought the match was great i thought kenny was great i thought hangman was great uh i have had the pleasure being fortunate enough being blessed enough that i have seen every title change uh they always say the first 
poster of All Out gave away at it because on the poster uh, it was Hangman. It was it was Jericho, Hangman, uh, Mox, and Kenny on the poster, and it gave away the first four AEW champions. And this is how it was supposed to play out. This is how it did play out. I thought it was well. I would have loved Kenny to be healthy because I thought they left a little bit out there. But I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Kenny Omega and Hangman fight. So they can take it up to the next level the next time they wrestle. Uh, this was amazing. I, I tip my hat. I am happy as hell that I was there for Hangman to get coronated as champion. I'm very much well. You know how they say leave him on him more. I thought there was a good three to six more months on this Kenny Omega run. So the fact that they ended it early, they left a lot of matches, a lot of main events on the table for the future. I appreciate that. And the fact that I got to be there with my people, it was great. It was an all-around great match, all-around great moment for Hangman. And we have National Cowboy Shit Day now. Yes, we are actually recording today on National Cowboy Shit. That was declared by Hangman. He said it's nothing official because they keep telling him to quit emailing about this, but it's National Cowboy <laughs> Shit Day. So I told my wife it was National Cowboy Shit Day, and she's like, what does that mean? I was like, it means it's National Cowboy Shit Day. You should go do cowboy shit. She's like, so what does doing cowboy shit mean? She got really angry, like, really quickly. <laughs> Like, what's doing cowboy shit mean? I was like, you know, when you get off work, you just go grab a beer off of the, uh, go grab a beer out of a 12 pack that's out, uh, and then walk out of your store drinking it. That's cowboy shit. So you, she's like, so you're saying you want me to get fired? No, I was just trying to give you an example of what some cowboy shit would be, but cowboy shit is cool shit. So do something fucking cool today and badass and, you know, be awesome. But yeah. Uh, congratulations to Mr. Hangman Page. I am very happy that he is the new champion. Yeah, and that was... I will oh. tell you, Austin, uh, I will tell you, uh, since today's National Cowboy Shit Day, I will go to work tomorrow. I work at a university, and I'm wearing my cowboy boots, my snakeskin belt buckle, and my all uh, my full gear I was there shirt uh, supporting Hangman Adam Page. Um, and it was... Uh, and that put a stamp on an epic uh, event and an epic memory that we all have now. Well, I will be in my sweatpants and T-shirt, and when I go to Walmart, I will tip my imaginary hat to every cowboy I see. Cowboy <laughs> shit. And I have a Hangman T-shirt I will wear when I have to go get my cats uh, to the vet tomorrow, and then I'll have to take it off when I have to go to work. Picking up cats from the vet, that's cowboy shit right there. <clears throat> that's cowboy shit. But that was all Elite Wrestling's full gear, uh, and it was a damn good show. I got to say, it was a damn good show. But we got to wrap things up real quick. We have our preview for this week's AEW Dynamite. Um, of course, we have our new AEW World Champion, Hangman Adam Page, who will be addressing the crowd. Brian Danielson will be going one-on-one -on -one against Evil Uno. Uh, in the buy-in, we actually had a tease for this next match. Uh, Leo uh, Rush and Dante Martin will be going up against the Acclaimed. This was uh, preluded in the buy-in itself. Uh, it was the only other thing that happened on the buy-in besides the, uh, the women's tag match. The Butcher and the Blade will be teaming up to go against Orange Cassidy and... Tomohiro Ishii. 
who has walked through the forbidden door and who will be teaming with Orange Cassidy. So apparently when you get invited into chaos, you're literally invited into chaos and just have like random New Japan guys on your fucking phone all of a sudden. And they can walk through the forbidden door and team with you whenever you want. So that is apparently a thing. We have uh, the continuation of the TBS title tournament where Hikaru Shida will be going up against uh, Thunder Rosa. And then uh, Jay Lethal will be going up against Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. And that is AEW Dynamite, which is a damn good show, it looks like. It is kind of a low-key great show. You know, when you look at it, you know, it's not the Bucks, it's not Kenny, it's not the big names, but... Uh, it's a, it's going to be a lot of solid wrestling, and since it's in Virginia, it's going to be a raucous crowd for Mr. Hangman Adam Page. I think that Jay Lethal's Sammy G match could be uh, un, is going to be a banger. And you know what? It's weird. I don't do predictions really on this show as far as what's happened. I'm calling Jay Lethal new champion. Wow. All right. I mean, I, I will go against that, but still. I think they're going to build on the fact that Sammy was just in a five-on-five -five match where he dropped from 15 feet in the air into a senton, and he came out with his ribs beat up, and Jay Lethal's super fresh. And Jay Lethal All right. wins. All right. Well, we'll definitely see if that's what they go with. Um, uh, JR, you got any thoughts about uh, what we're going to be seeing on Dynamite this week? Um, you know, it's actually funny as Floyd saying that I'm actually looking at the uh, 22nd teaser for Dynamite, and the last thing you see is Sammy Guevara going 15 feet through that table. Um, just I, I'm not saying there's you know, just throwing it out there, uh, based on what Floyd said, but yeah, um, I think what's also the inter what's interesting is what's not being advertised. That is what I'm intrigued with because, as Floyd said, we don't have anything about the Young Bucks. We don't have anything about Kenny. We don't have anything about four other important stars. That's Pac, Cody, Malachi, and Andrade. So what's not there is what I'm interested in seeing on how they fill in the gaps between potential you know, promo spots or more story building as we're um, moving in, you know, as the, um, the post-Full Gear show. So... All right. Well, we have a few other news and uh, headlines that we want to get over real quick before we wrap up the show. Floyd, do you want to go down that uh, for us? Yes, I will gladly go down that. Uh, of course, today's National Cowboy Shit Day. As far as the meet and greets before Dynamite, it is Wardlow, uh, Leo Rush, and Dante Martin uh, together. I guess they're going to be called the, like, the highest flight. And then Jamie Hayter. And Jamie Hayter happens to be free to uh, Heels uh, members. I found out this week, I because I was with Tiffany, all you have to do is show your Heel membership card and you get the meet and greet for free. Uh, there were some problems with Bleacher Report on Saturday night, which I think AEW are only doing four pay-per-views a year. You got to get this shit together. You have to yeah. have a stable way to stream your thing. I mean, like I said, proclivity for positivity, but this is becoming an ongoing problem. This is not a, oh, it just happened once. Let's wave it off. I mean, I feel like this is the third pay-per-view in a row. People have had problems figuring out where the fuck to watch a show. So, yeah, people want to pay you and watch the show. Make it easy for them to watch the show. If you can't, 
sell it to somebody who can make it easy for them to watch the show. Because mm. Bleacher, or just do it on or yeah. just do it on basic pay per view. Yeah, Ble- Bleacher Report just you know sucked. Bleacher Report app sucked. People couldn't watch it, and some people couldn't start, and so they couldn't watch the replay until hours later. So they had to upload the damn thing on Fight anyway. So it's just like, okay, make it available on Fight from the beginning. I just I don't know what they want to do. They are smarter than me. They know how to make money better than me. But you only do this four times a year. So this should be under control. Like literally how to watch your pay-per-view on your show night should not be news. Yeah, that should literally be it. It it shouldn't be news. So, okay. Uh, Moving on from that. So, yeah. uh, So they they will get that taken care of. That's the last bit of news I got. They have not announced anything from Rampage. Uh, the, uh, the reports from the Meltzer seems to be January 8th. They're going to be doing kind of like a battle of the belts type show. It's going to be their first Saturday night special for uh, TNT. So uh, make sure you look out for that. You should hear on sale in the times and stuff for that. <coughs> and uh, I was I'm not gonna read this all long because this show has been freaking long. So uh, go make sure you go to at Rich Ladder. He's been on this show quite a few times. But if you go to at Rich Ladder's 32 Twitter, he wrote a eulogy for uh, Kenny Omega's championship eulogy. I was going to read it, but as I look at all the paragraphs and how long the recording time has been, I figured we should go ahead and uh, wrap up the show. Yeah, so that is going to do it, I think, for this episode of All Things Late, covering Full Gear 2021. And yes, go check out Rich Lotta's eulogy. You will enjoy it. Uh, JR, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I'm very glad you and Floyd had a blast in Minneapolis for the show. Uh, Thanks again for being on. Uh, Where can people find you and your Trick or Treaters podcast? Again, um, thank you again. It's always a pleasure, Austin and Floyd, to join you, especially um, talking about this epic event. Um, If you go to at Trick or Treat Pod, that is at Trick or Treat Pod on Twitter, you have access to our link tree where you um, find us on Google, Apple, Spotify, as well as our merch page. As I mentioned, all right, um, JR cut out a little bit. Uh, go with the ad like I mentioned again. comedy called Thanksgiving. It is, um, you can find us at Trick or Treat Pod, that is at Trick or Treat Pod on Twitter, or you can get access to our link tree where you can find our podcast on Google, Apple, Spotify, as well as our merch page. As I mentioned earlier, we have um, a short month due to um, the holidays, so we only recorded one episode this this month, and then our next one will drop um, next week around Thanksgiving. It is a black horror comedy called Thanksgiving about a killer turkey. It is a low-budget, D-rated film, but I've been told it has tons of horror, uh, laughter in it and just straight, just crazy bullshit, so uh, I'm that should be interesting to review. So uh, once again, thank you for everybody for listening and uh, following us. 
All right. Well, once again, guys, continue to download this show on Google or App Podcasts. If you listen to us on any other podcasting platform, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Uh, leave a rating and review. If you want, you can leave a donation through Red Circle. We'd be very appreciative of that. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all their other shows that they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with at everything out of the way, I will let Floyd go ahead and take us home on this full gear episode of All Things Elite. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Uh, be nice to people. Treat people on social media just like you would treat them if they were in person. Unless you would treat them like a dick in person, then be nice to them anyway. Because doesn't cost anything. Doesn't do anything just to be nice to people. So with that, I leave you as I leave you every week, whether it is home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite. <laughs>